just encourage you let him meet you here he won't walk out of that door so Lord be with us tonight as we continue to learn from your word and that we respond in openness and honesty in Jesus name amen amen you may be seated hey can you just give the worship team a round of applause they do such a good job they always do such a good job. My name's Preston. Um, I'm the lead pastor here. I would be happy to meet you if I haven't met you, and I just want to tell you welcome. Welcome to Discover Church in the Highlands. We're going to take up an offering. Uh, when we do this, the reason that we do this is because we, we believe in what God is doing in our city, in our nation, in our world. Let me tell you something that you're giving to. In light of our current uh, teaching series, uh, the Doubters Club, the series, I want to let you know that there's a Doubters Club that launched in Albuquerque, New Mexico. How many of you have ever been to Albuquerque? You've driven through? Okay. I Don't dis Albuquerque, okay? There's a lot that you could dis Albuquerque on, but it's kind of where I grew up. And there's one that launched in Albuquerque. Let me tell you this. This is one of the things that you're given to. We're in, when they were meeting, 
they were talking about how people handle their suffering. And, um, oh, by the way, let me just say this. Can you, can you reach and get a, a, there's a connect card in the seat back in front of you before we get into this story. I just want you, I do want you to fill out a connect card if it's your first time. And if not, you um, fill out and tell us your prayer. What's your prayer request? What is it that you're wrestling with? So do that while you're hearing this story. They're sitting in this, um, uh, they're sitting in this venue. And there's an individual, as they're talking about suffering and how they deal with suffering, here's what one of the individuals said. I'm not going to say the word because we're in church, but one of the individuals said, your God can't handle suffering. And when I thought he could, he didn't, so I don't believe in God. Okay? So this is, by the way, the person sitting next to this person who used very colorful language when they said this. The person sitting next to them was an older lady, and I was told she went like this, like, you know, like, and then um, the person leading the doubters club said, it's okay. God can handle the FUs, and he'll still, he'll still be with you. When when they said this, the demeanor of the individual changed, and then the individual went to the person leading the doubters club and said, I've never known that God can handle what I go through. So in light of our current teaching series and in light of what we're talking about today, I think it's appropriate to tell you, you gave and are giving to sponsor that, that doubters club. So let's pray over this. Put your connect card in there. As you give in your offering, there's different ways that you can give. You can give online. You can also give via text. I just want to tell you, thank you for your generosity. As, um, as we know, it's uncertain times. Uh, in doing this, we're going to also pray right now for the teachers in the DPS at Denver Public Schools, the teachers that are trying to figure out, they're trying to negotiate a good contract. What's the right contract um, that they would be comfortable with? This is an uncomfortable time. We have teachers who are here. Um, where's Karin? We greatly appreciate you. We're praying for you. And this prayer goes out to you and all those who are plugged in. Hannah, um, Hannah, I know that you're involved in DPS as well. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray that um, there are, there's reconciliation in what's happening and for um, an agreement that's going to favor the people who work so hard for our kids. Okay? Let's pray. We'll take up offering. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you that you can handle all that we're going through. You can do that. Thank you that you are with us. You've given richly to us. And Father, we just pray you would bless what's given today. And we pray, God, as there's negotiations that are going on, that you would help the Denver Public School, the teachers. We pray that you would help them as these are uncertain times for them. And I ask, Lord, that you would move in favor of those, uh, move open hearts to favor those who are teaching our children. And we just ask for your incredible provision and your sovereignty over this situation. Be with us tonight, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Say, so take up offering and watch this video. You know, like the stuff that I would want to talk about wouldn't really be good at church, you know. But if you could ask about anything, what would you ask? Um, I don't know, just like, why does God seem so messed up in the Bible? And like, kill him all the time. And Christians too. 
seems like there's lots of crazy stuff Christians do, you know? Like, we definitely never talk about that. Or maybe, I don't know, other religions might actually be right too, or better than ours. Like, maybe there's lots of ways to get to God. I don't know. So, see, it's not really super great questions for church. Totally. Totally. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I just, I mean, I have some of the same questions too, actually. I, they're good questions. Actually, a lot of older people at the church have the same ones. They just don't talk about it. You can always ask me any question you want, okay? If you're ever sitting there thinking, can I ask that? The answer is yes. You can ask that, okay? Okay. It's been really interesting walking through a teaching series that is dealing with questions and, and dealing heavily with questions. And what we talk about today, we're going through Genesis 1, 2, and 3. What we talk about today, um, it, it's, it's intellectual for sure. We're talking about a question that's going to make you think. And so you're going to have to put your thinking caps on. If you came in and you haven't had coffee, I give you permission. You can go get coffee. That's fine. And it's going to go deep in order to be rich, in order to bring to life what it is to be a human. Because it's hard. The, the topic is actually so personal, I have to preface it with this. We can't stay up here because the minute that we start talking about this topic, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pull us in a direction of memories, of anticipations, of worry. And, uh, and so we're going to have to operate in a way that we are asking the right question. We're using our mind, worshiping God with our mind, and with our heart. Today's one of those days. In fact, I would argue all days are those days, but today is one of those days. Here's what we're going to talk about. How can a good God allow evil and suffering? How could a good God allow pain and suffering? Now, if there's anything that I'm certain about, as certain as my right hand, it's this. We are going to experience pain. I will experience pain and suffering. You will experience pain and suffering. Okay? Pain and suffering can be from all things. Disease, death, disaster, deep disappointment. I can be all these deadly Ds, okay? That does, all, all kinds of pain and suffering comes our way. And then here's what happens when we experience pain and suffering. We ask this question. Why? Why me? Why me? Why did they do that to me? Why did this happen to me? What did I do to deserve this? Why? And what's interesting is, even as I say pain, you immediately have some sort of situation that is probably pretty recent, if not right now. And the minute I say suffering, it just amplifies that situation. There's no uh, literature in history that's actually addressed this as head-on as this text has. Okay? This text... Now, the reason I say this text is because it's made of 66 different books, a bunch of different genres. So I'm not saying this one book. It's a lot of books put together. This text, one of the most fascinating things about it is it addresses pain and suffering head-on, right out the gates in Genesis, and that's what we're going to jump into. So if you wonder, how could God be good and allow pain and suffering, we are going to talk about this. And here's how the argument typically goes. If God is all-powerful, he can do whatever he wants. And if God is all-good, he would want to do what would be good 
evil and suffering still exists, therefore God's not all good and all powerful. And, and if you go, that seems pretty convincing. That's okay. That's, this has been called the rock of atheism for quite a while. And I, I just want to make some disclaimers. I'm not claiming that we're going to answer the question why you're going through what you're going through. I can't make that claim. So if that's your expectation, I need you to lower the bar, okay, pretty far down. I can't make that claim. I also can't make the claim that there's going to be some profound statement at the end of the message that you're like, that's going to get me through what I'm going through. I can't make that claim either. What I can say is that we can be honest as a community. We can wrestle with the text of Scripture. And when we come out of wrestling, we'll realize God's a lot closer than he's ever been. And there's meaning in our pain. Okay? Those are the claims that we'll make. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the text. But let me, let me just explain to you where we're at. Adam and Eve, you heard of them before? They were created. And Adam and Eve were walking in bliss. They were walking in good relationship with God. Now, I've heard many people talk about what it would be like to walk with God in perfect unity and harmony. And it even says in the text, not the text we're going to read. This is why I'm doing an overview for you. It says in the text that they walked, they were naked and without shame. Okay? I don't know the last time you were naked and without shame. It's been a while for me. But uh, they, it says they walked naked and without shame. Perfect unity with God. And they were in communion with God. And remember, we said last week that God has actually, he, the, the way he started this whole thing, it's like God's creation song. And then that's Genesis 1. It is good. I enjoy this. Genesis 2 is God's commissioning. It's like God saying, hey, I give you the birds of the air, and I, I give you the fish of the sea, and I give you the plants, and steward this well. This is last week when we talked about would God go green. And, uh, and then this week, we jump into God's concern for a broken relationship. So God tells them, you can eat from any tree, but don't eat from that one. Don't eat from that one, which presents a choice for them. And then we jump into the text that we're in. So we're in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Or I'm sorry, let, I'm, I, let me give a, let me jump further. The uh, Satan, represented by a serpent, okay, represented by a serpent, says to them, did God really say you can't eat from this tree? Did God really say? And then they do eat from the tree. And then we're going to jump in. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, but God among the trees of the garden. Uh, from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Okay. Here's, here's what we're going to deal with. When we're dealing with pain and suffering, and you go, that doesn't sound like a lot of suffering. This is actually where the theology of pain and suffering comes from. When we're dealing with this, we need to do a few things. We're going to avoid pat answers, okay? We're going to embrace living without an answer and anticipate the final answer. So let's talk about this first one. We're going to avoid simple, generic, pat answers. We're going to avoid this. Avoid panic. This is, this is Genesis 3. This is what we just read, and here's why. Whenever we get into pain and suffering, whenever we talk about this, in the Christian worldview, it comes from not God's choice to, like, open the floodgates for the enemy to come in. It actually comes from man's choice to choose not to have a relationship with God in disobedience. This is where it comes from. So in your pain and suffering, you may be saying, where are you, God? 
in the text, in biblical worldview, God says back to you, where are you when you enter into pain and suffering? That doesn't mean all pain and suffering is induced from you at all. What it means is it entered the world through the free will decisions of Adam and Eve. This is Christian, the Christian story. And, and it, it tells us that this broke the world. Like there's so much brokenness to the world. It like, it's like a piece of glass that shattered. And here's why we're going to avoid pat answers. Here's why I'm not going to stand up here and say, so all the, all the things that you do, it's just, all the suffering you go through is just a result of mankind and sin in the world. No, no, no. Here's the t- two typical generic answers you'll get. One's from the religious type. It's going to be like this, okay? So if you've heard this, you can let go of this, okay? Because this is going to be, this is going to feel like prison when I say this. It's going to be from the religious type that say this. The reason I'm going through pain and suffering is because God's punishing me. This is why Kim read earlier, perfect love casts out all fear. Imperfect love has to do with punishment. And this is why that was read, to set the trajectory for where we're going. It's to say, religious people would go, I'm, I'm experiencing pain and suffering in my life because God's punishing me. And if I can just push the right buttons and say the right prayers and go to the right church, which is Discover Church, but if I can just go to the right church and I can do the right thing, whatever it would be, then, then like I get the favor of God on me. Well, let me, let me just like burst your bubble for a second because I don't want you to go there. That won't work, okay? And you'll, you'll end up extremely disappointed, and you'll probably leave the faith entirely, if that's you. So if you're operating in that, and you're like, no, I, I was thinking about leaving the faith, it might be because of this. So that's the religious people. Over here, you have more the secular society, and, and what people say is, is that, um, you know, it's like God's just kind of out there. If there is a God, wound up the world at the beginning like a watch, and he's just watching it tick away. He's the watchmaker God. If he's there just watching. God doesn't intervene, but it might be proof that there's not a God in general. That's what people say. And here's, here's what's actually taking place in the text, is God does not say morality, morality, morality. Better, better, better. And until you get better, you will suffer, suffer, suffer. God does not say that. And God does not say God does not sit back and do nothing. What we see God doing is like really amazing, very complex. It's not simple. He's in the garden. Whenever the world broke, whenever sin entered the world, and whenever the consequences of a broken relationship with God entered the world, those consequences could come out in natural disasters in all kinds of ways. Whenever that entered the world, he doesn't yell why didn't you do better, Adam? He doesn't yell, who's at fault here? He doesn't yell morality to them, and he also doesn't stay back and away from them. He goes, where are you? It's like he's walking among a broken earth now, going, where are you? He doesn't take either one of these simple, generic terrible, spiritually dead-end ways of thinking about it. He goes, where are you? And I've said this often. I wish, uh, hear me clear, here's like one of my wishes of the Bible, I think would answer so many questions for me. I wish I knew the tone that God said, where are you with? I just, I, as I read that, and it's actually written in my Bible, how did you say this? As I read that, I go, you know, 
I don't know if he said it through tears. Where are you? I don't know if he said it through gritting his teeth. I don't think he did from what I know about the character of God in the face of Jesus. I, I don't know what the tone was when he said that. But, but I do have to use my imagination. Where are you? What did that sound like? You know, C.S. Lewis says this quote. Can you put that quote up um, by him, please? He says this quote about pain and suffering and, and what it does to us. God whispers in our pleasures, whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. There's no doubt this is what's happening. God is shouting. He's rousing a deaf world. Adam, where are you? And I would say for you, listen, in your pain and suffering, that you may say this is not fair because I didn't cause this pain and suffering. I was faithful when the person was unfaithful. I was a good friend when the person backstabbed me. I was born with a sickness. You know, this is not fair. I will agree with you it's not fair. And we never are making a claim to be able to give you an exact answer why. But what I want to tell you is avoid this pitfall. You're not being punished. This is not God screaming, you must be a better person to avoid pain and suffering in the world. And, and if you're like, no, it is. Uh, Jesus, does he come to mind? He's a perfect person, and he had pain and suffering. So obviously that equation is shot, okay? So there's that. And then I'm saying, and just avoid this altogether as well. Your pain and suffering is not the absence of God, and it's not the presence of higher morality. Your pain and suffering means you live in a broken world. And when the world was broken, when the glass shattered, God's response was, where are you? He went looking, and he walked among the earth. So we're going to avoid these simple answers, okay? Here's another book of the Bible that really brings it out, the book of Job. If you haven't read the book of Job, the book of Job is esteemed as one of the greatest pieces of literature in history. And if you're wondering where do you find it, it's in the 66 books of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. And it's about the story of this person named Job. And it's pretty bizarre when you start reading it, but Satan comes into God's courts and says, you know your servant Job, I bet you I can, I, I bet you I can essentially trip him up where you, you lose your credibility. And um, God puts Satan on a tight leash. God permits pain and suffering in Job's story, but he puts him on a tight leash. This is actually how Timothy Keller, a, an author and pastor in New York, says it. He said, God only gives Satan enough room to accomplish the opposite of what he set out to accomplish. Okay? God only gives Satan enough room to accomplish the opposite of what he set out to accomplish. He only gives, gives Satan enough rope to hang himself, which is a beautiful image of the spiritual principalities that come against us and God tricking them, essentially. And what it shows, even in this creation story, what we'll get to is we'll talk about like when Satan thought, I won because sin entered the world and all the consequences and the evil and the pain and the suffering entered the world. No, 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 it was just enough rope for, for him to hang himself. But the reason it had to happen is because we have to have free will in order to love God. This is like, you have to. You have to, you have to. If you are pursuing someone, if you're in a relationship and you go, I wish that they loved me more, the number one way you cannot do that is by making them love you more, okay? If you had some sort of sorcery and, and spell and you, you did it outside of this building somewhere far, far away, and you did it on them and they just 
fell in love with you and and they wouldn't stop talking about how great you are and you have just ruined the possibility for true love and true intimacy by forcing them to we don't look at forced love favorably so if god creates out of love and wants a relationship with us to love him back free will has to be at an all-time high which means we always have to have the ability not to love that's free will again put on our thinking caps and we realize this is not a simple answer it's not a simple answer let's keep going let's keep going through the text can you put the text up there please genesis 3 chapter or chapter 3 verses 10 through 13 and he said i heard the sound of you in the garden and i was afraid which by the way another thought i have is like how long did it take him to respond you know you ever been on a phone and someone said i know what you did you just sit there and it's I just figured this might have been days. But I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me. It's like, hey, like, you gave me this woman. What's wrong with her? You gave her to me. She gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord said, to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. This is like we have to learn to embrace living without an answer for your suffering. Now, this is really terrible to say. You're like, I need, I need an answer. And, and I, I just want to put before you, it wouldn't help if you've had an answer, and I'm going to explain this to you. Suffering takes all the benefits of serving God away and makes you ask this question. You ready? This is a hard question. Do I love God for God, or do I love God for what he can give me? That's what suffering does to us. It does not mean God desires that you suffer and you're in pain. And No, no. This is what suffering does to us. It takes the benefits away, and it makes you ask this question. Do I love God for God, or do I love God for what he can give me? Notice the way the serpent deceives them. The way the serpent does it is, did God really say? Did God really command? Why would he do that? It's as if he's going, he's holding back from you. Like, you could have more than this. And, and then they, they break their covenant with God. They disobey it is the way we all operate. So just to, like, just to be quite honest, I think the text has its finger on the fall of mankind. It's the way we all operate. Have you ever been befriended by someone and you thought they were actually your friend? They found you on Facebook and you're like, okay, this is for real now, right? They followed you on Instagram. You're like, this is really real now, right? And you're whatever. They liked your stuff. They're really your friend. And then they ask you for something and you can't fulfill what they're asking for and then they're nowhere to be found. And you go, oh, I was, I was used. I was a pawn. They didn't like me for me. They liked me for what they thought they could, that I could give them. We'll be more direct to the women in here. Have you ever dated a guy that you thought really liked you and you kept the conversation going and then they asked to sleep with you and you said no? And then they like never call back. They ghost you. They do whatever. And you realize they didn't like me for me. They liked me for what they thought that they could get out of this. I mean, we go on and on. We talk about business partners. We talk about parents. 
We go on and on. And you, are, you, are, you feel like a pawn because you go, I thought that they cared about me, that they cared about what I could give them. And let me just say this. It's probably, it's probably a fact that every one of us have done that to someone at some point in time. We have used people, and it doesn't just dehumanize the person, it dehumanizes you. You then become a manipulator. You become someone who's very cynical, and you're trying to get out of someone something that they can't give you or that they won't give you, but it's not out of compassion for them. It's just because you, what you need. So in light of that, do you think it's possible that when we're asking God, why, why suffer, why am I suffering, why am I suffering, why the pain, why the pain, which you can do, wrestle all day long and through the night with God, don't stop it, but it, do you think it's possible that when you do this, you're also, you're, it puts to the test whether or not you're going to get God, you want God, or you want the answer he's going to give you, what if you don't get the answer, do you still, is God still enough? Is God still enough if you don't get an answer to why you're going through what you're going through? Is he still enough? If you go, no, he's not still enough, then you are using God. You, God is a pawn. And he must stop being a pawn. This is why we can't just be okay with not knowing. There are times we have to embrace the fact God is enough. God is enough, God is enough, God is enough. God is enough to go through what I'm going through. God is enough, God is enough, God is enough. And if you don't have an answer, which you probably won't have an answer, because it's very complicated what you're going through. And is it fair? No, it's not fair. But if you don't have an answer, it takes the benefits of serving God away, and it's just you and him now. And you go, you're enough. You're good to me. You're good to me. This really came home to me when I was in... Uh, Albuquerque, I was, uh, I remember, I was a young adult pastor in Albuquerque, and there was an individual who was sitting in the lobby. Now, I'll just be honest with you, even on staff at a church, there were times I was like, I don't, I don't want to be in service, okay? Which I don't want any of you guys to do. Don't, don't go do what I do, okay? But I, I remember being in the lobby and seeing this guy and going, I don't know who he is, so I'm just going to talk to the first person I don't know, and we're going to sit here and and we'll, we'll soak in whatever's out, going on in there, you know. So I st I'm talking to him, and he had a broken arm, and I said, I've never seen you before, and my name's Preston, he told me his name. And then he said, I said, hey, tell me about your story. I've not, I've not seen you before, just tell me about you. And he said, yeah, I just got out of prison. And then I'm like, I gotta go into service, you know. Like, I gotta go straight back into service. Uh, service just started two minutes ago. He said, I just got out of prison. And I said, oh, yeah, what for? You know, like, like speeding, killing, is there something, in the, and uh, he told me what he went to prison for, and it was gang activity. I'm looking for a teardrop somewhere on his eye, no teardrops, so I feel I'm okay for now. And we start talking, and he told me he started following Jesus in prison, and this was really fascinating to me. I said, what made you follow Jesus? And uh, immediately I'm going, was it some sort of service or chaplain or whatever? And this is what he said. He said, I found a Bible, like an Old Testament Bible, you know, that you just find laying around. And he said, I found a Bible, and I read a book called Job. And he said, I was in a gang, and I, I realized the homie, this is what he said, the homie Job had everything taken from him. Everything was taken from him. Wife, kids, like riches, all this stuff, everything was taken from him. And he still stayed committed to God. 
in the face of this. And God was okay with his questions. He's telling me all this. And he said, so I figured, well, if homie can stay committed to God through all that stuff, this God's probably worth committing to. Isn't that amazing? And he just started following God. And I was struck with this sense of, would I follow God if everything was taken from me? If I didn't have the benefits of following God, would I follow God? If I experienced pain and suffering by certain things being taken from me, whether it be my health, if I all of a sudden found out I was sick with a certain sickness, whether it be my, the money in my bank account, whatever it would be, if that was stripped from me, if I experienced that kind of pain and suffering, would I still follow God for God? And I just remember I had to wrestle with that question all the way to the ground. And I realized the why even if God said, hey, in five years, here's why you're going through what you're going through. In 10 years, here's going to be the outcome. Because we're also told he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Even if God says, I'm going to, this is what will come out of this, um, would I, would that be enough? So this question, uh, this idea, embrace living without an answer for your suffering is really really helpful for us. And then here's, we're going to anticipate the final answer, okay? Anticipate the final answer. The Lord God said to the serpent, this is beautiful, because you have done this, beautiful parts coming at the end, okay? Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. And if you are like my wife and you hate snakes, you're like, yes, they are the most cursed animal that's ever lived. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat in all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. And follow me here. He shall bruise your, or he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. It's a prophecy about from the offspring of a woman, there's going to be someone who's going to crush you. He's going to crush the head of the snake. There's a picture here that my sister-in-law put together she just does art all the time, and, and it says, all hail the snake crusher. I love, and I'm waiting for a shirt for her for my birthday. All hail the snake crusher. It's this idea, not just idea, this prophecy, this truth, that in your suffering and your pain, God immediately gets involved. He immediately goes, okay, I got to fix what's been broken because he's a good dad. He's a good father who does this. And he's got to step in in a way that no one has ever stepped in before, and that is in Jesus. And in Jesus, we find the suffering servant. We find someone who doesn't deserve. You want to talk about, like, maybe it's easy for you to be, look in the mirror and say, I deserve what I'm going through. You want to talk about someone who doesn't deserve what they went through was Jesus. You want to talk about someone who experienced the pain and the suffering of the world. It was him. And scripture tells us Jesus is God. He stepped into humanity, put on flesh to crush the head of the serpent. To crush the head. And guess what? The enemy thought he won again. C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's this famous scene where, where like Aslan is going to the white witch to be killed. You remember this scene? And the reason this is happening is because Edmund, one of the characters, betrayed his brothers and betrayed his people and betrayed Aslan. And so the white witch says that blood for blood, okay, someone has to take his place. And so Aslan volunteers to take the place. And Aslan goes to the tomb and the white witch and all the demons and all the ugly figures that we won't let our six-year-old watch, you know, all this stuff, 
all that, all of them celebrate. So we're saying, all hail the snake crusher. And they're saying they killed, they killed Aslan, right? And Aslan dies. And they think they won. And I often wonder, I wonder what was actually happening in the spiritual realm the day Jesus died. I wonder, and on earth it was just another day. I mean, yeah, there was impact, but there's just another day for some people. But I wonder what happened in the spiritual realm. And it, God did it again, where the evil and suffering that Satan thought was going to conquer humanity hung himself. Satan hung himself. And we now know what it is to walk with Jesus and to say, I can experience pain and suffering because I anticipate the day when the fulfillment of him totally taking out evil and pain and suffering is here. And the way he showed us is through the resurrection. Jesus comes back from the dead in a new body and physical resurrection, and it, he actually shows us that there is a reality that surpasses this reality. It is more real than this reality. And this reality, it's, it's where God dwells. And this reality is so real that it is, it is going to take over this world that we know right now. It's going to take over new heavens and new earth. And it's going to be where pain and suffering is absent. It doesn't exist anymore. And the way he shows us this is through his resurrection. In fact, there's a point in the text in, in the New Testament where Jesus walks through a wall. And I've read before, and I think this is so profound. It's not, Jesus didn't walk through the wall because Jesus was some ghost-like figure and the wall was real. The wall was ghost-like and Jesus was real. It's the mo most real reality there is. We anticipate the final answer. The final answer is all suffering and evil. For those who follow God, somehow he'll work all things together for the good of those who love him. But the one who has been coming against us with pain and suffering and evil will crush the head of the snake and all hail the snake crusher, right? It's a really powerful way to think about pain and suffering. So we're going to worship now. So can I have the worship team come up? We're going to respond. Again, we can talk about free will and the free will, uh, why there has to be free will. We can talk about the different ways to interpret pain and suffering. We can do all that. But just to let you know, what we need to do the hard work of is going, I have to shift my trust now to God and know whatever is happening. We don't know the why. I can't claim to know the why. Whatever is happening, why ever it's happening, God has proven himself to walk with you through it. He is a God that takes his own medicine, and so he has proven he will walk through you with it. And if you ever wonder, if you ever wonder, am I loved by God? If, I, if you ever wonder, am I loved by him to be able to believe this, there's no greater act of love than someone giving their life for another. The hardest thing for me is to know I'm loved by God. It's hard. Now, you go, this is what you say all the time. You say you're loved by God. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm just telling you, it is hard for me to know. I'm deeply loved by God. With the days I'm convinced of that, God's enough. My pain and suffering, it's still going through it, right? I still go through it. I still go through it. The memories are still really hard. The future still really scares me, okay? 
the sickness still hurts. I still go through it, but the days when I start to realize I'm loved by God, I can look to him and go, hey, you're enough. And you walked the earth immediately when the earth was broken. You go, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And I know he does the same for me, and I know he does the same for you. And then when we run away, he goes, well, maybe, maybe I'll win you back by dying for you. This is what he did while we were yet enemies, he died for us. The days I know I'm loved are the days I know how to endure pain and suffering. And I wish I could give you a why to all like your pain and suffering, but then again, the other half of me goes, no, because then you're just trying to get out of God and answer. What if, what if God is just gonna go with you through this? And there will be a final answer when the head of the, the snake is crushed and we say, all hail the snake crusher and we'll see the blossoming of seeds that we thought were destruction and make something beautiful. I don't know what that answer is, but I'm just asking you, what if God was enough? What if he was enough? What if the pain you're going through, your attention's been so on him that you just gotta shift it and you gotta go, okay, I, I can trust, I can trust that he is walking with me. It starts with being loved. So can we stand together? I'm going to ask that you be real honest now because uh, it's going to be easy to lie your way out of this, okay? It's going to be easy to sit there and, and because I'm putting myself in your shoes to go, my pain and suffering is different than other people's pain and suffering. It's too little or it's too big. And you're, or it's going to be easy for you to say, um, I didn't deserve this, therefore God's a bad God. It's going to be easy for you to say that. What we're saying, those are simple answers. You're, you live in Denver. You don't like simple things. You like complex, cool things. Well, the most complex, cool thing is to actually walk with God because life is complex. Life's not simple. So here's what I just want to say. I just want to put out there. If you have not ever committed to God or you've walked away from God because you've gone, it's broken. This thing's broken. The system's broken. He didn't answer a prayer the way I thought he'd answer a prayer. And you've walked away. I encourage you to get prayer today. What that looks like is you move to the side. Someone from our team will pray with you. And uh, you just say, look, I want my eyes back on him. I want God for God. I don't want God for stuff. I don't want God for answers. I want God for God. Which, by the way, Job didn't get the answer that he needed. Jesus said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like, if, if Jesus is going, why? If Jesus is going, why? You will probably have to say why. And you probably won't get it. But what, we, what you will have is the resurrection, and you will have this ultimate answer. And so if that's you, I'd say, seek prayer for salvation in Jesus. But if you're here also, and you say, I don't, I, I, I want God to be enough, and I need someone to pray with me to help me direct my eyes to him. This pain is hard. This suffering's too hard. But God is enough. If that's you, then move to the side. We're going to pray together. You can take communion in the back. You can stand in worship. But here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to be simple-minded. I don't want you to sit there and, and to say, yeah, well, I'm in this camp. I'm being punished, or I'm in this camp. God's not real. No, no, it's way more complex than that. And you're smarter than that. You know better than that. You know better than that. Walk with God because he is shouting to you, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And it's, it's waking you up right now. And 
then when you say, where are you? You can picture the cross because this is where he is in your pain and suffering. So let's seek prayer. Let's take communion and let's worship and then we'll close together. Move to the sides for prayer. Move to the sides of prayer team. We'll find you.